Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. This is going to be brief. This is um, like my earlier podcast, just kind of off the top, if you will. Um, This has just kind of been circulating in my mind for the past two or three days now. Sports video games. Now, I've discussed this before on some uh, videos on my social media and... uh, and I believe I have lightly discussed this when I talk of video game industries as a whole, but it's really been nagging at the back of my head. And the reason is because, well, Super Bowl is coming up. Now, I'm going to be the first to admit I'm not a big sports guy. I like a lot of sports, really. I mean, there's not many sports I actively dislike. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to go national or I watch and follow all the players. I just like watching it. I know the big stars. I I know the mechanics of the game. I When we're talking, for the most part, American sports, I know quite a bit about football. Uh, I know uh, a lot more about basketball and baseball because I actually did play those for X amount of years. So, you know, I, I've always appreciated and I like all kinds of sports. They've always interested me. But, um, but I, but... You know, don't listen to this thinking I'm a I'm a sports aficionado because I'm not, right? Uh, when we're talking video games, movies, uh, music, specifically rap music, and a few other things, I I could say I know more in that region than I do sports. So please don't take this as a sports enthusiast talking to you. T- think of this as a video game enthusiast who's played sports all of his life and who appreciates a lot of uh, sports. <clears throat> of course, more specifically, American sports. Excuse me, I was just finished recording something, uh, uh, a song, actually. So, yeah, the... And so what's bothering me about the video game sports market right now in 2021 is there hasn't been, from my research and my hands-on gameplay, there hasn't been much of an improvement. Now, Some of the video games that I like to play when we're talking sports games are usually either NHL or Madden, Um, sometimes NBA 2K, and I I very rarely buy them, like especially when they're brand new. I don't usually buy them. I'll get them on sales or deals, and I really, hockey's my favorite sport from a national level, that and baseball, and so those are the games I gravitate towards. You know, if there's a sale and I'm in the mood or I can download for free, like on Game pa- Game Pass with EA Play now, uh, I'll get Madden. You know, I'll get the latest Madden I can get my hands on. I actually haven't played it yet. I just downloaded it, but I've been doing some research. And I've played some Madden before. Actually, I have played this version of Madden, Madden 20. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, not Madden 20. Madden 18 or 19 at a friend's place a couple years back. So, and I and I used to play... Uh, let's see, I had Madden 06, I think I actually had 05, 06, and then I had 08, and then I had 13, I want to say, 13 or 14, and then I kind of dropped off Madden, and I was doing that with NHL too, and then I dropped off with NHL, and I got back on with, um, actually Twitch streaming, when NHL 19 went gold on Xbox, and, you know, when you're going from NHL 2011 to 2019, holy crap, dramatic difference in gameplay and features and mechanics and graphics across the board amazing improvement now i understand that's not a big improvement if you're playing it annually if you go from 18 to 19 actually there was 19 was a cornerstone it was a turning point because there were some mechanical improvements and gameplay improvements on nhl from what i've researched but 
NHL 20 and 21, not much different from NHL 19. In fact, I think NHL 20, I, I have that game too, and that's that's plenty fun. I think it's improved in some areas, but the graphics honestly don't feel as good, which is weird. At the bare minimum, you expect EA to at least improve the graphics if they change nothing else but the roster and the graphics. So, people are having issue with sports games. Sports enthusiasts, people who just appreciate video games, and people who kind of do kind of in between. They, they like if watching the occasional sports, but they like playing video games uh, and, and sports video games. You know, just kind of all across the board. There's not many people that are happy with the current past few years of sports games. Now, FIFA is a little different, and I can't fully speak on that because I haven't played it. And nothing against FIFA. I'm just not as big of a soccer fan. Um, and so, yeah. That's that's just that. that that's just something that I, I don't watch and I haven't gotten into. You know, I might try it at some point. But, uh, but yeah. And, and so with these big games, also it's weird that I have an Xbox for my main console and now have VR. I'll make an episode about that later. But um, there's not many baseball games on, unless you have PlayStation and, and play, what's it called, RBI or something, um, which sucks. I miss 2K Baseball. 2K6 Baseball on GameCube is one of my go-to games. If you gave it to me now, I'd still play it. And I would destroy you in it. Not to sound rude or weird, but like that's <laughs> that was my childhood game. I played that game as much as I played Super Mario Baseball, Mario Kart Double Dash, and Lego Star Wars 2. But that's all nostalgia, and I talked about that in my episode about GameCube. So check that out at some point. But anyway... So, sports games, you know, I I was raised on video games and I was getting into video games like GameCube and like 360 at the, what I would say, a a good peak. I I don't know if it is the peak, but what, and I I could say this from doing my research as well, one of the peaks of sports games. And And I would further say that a lot of reviews, when you look at Metacritic and you read the user reviews and the complaints and, and do some of the research, it feels like a lot of the enjoyment of these sports games really started to decrease and fall off between 2017, 2018, and then so on. You know, And people aren't arguing that the graphics and gameplay improve, but Jesus, that's the easiest thing to do when you're one of the largest corporations, one of the most influential video game corporations. Improving the graphics and getting tweaking, fine-tuning the gameplay for the modern era is not... I'm not saying it's easy for the developers. I'm not saying, oh, I could do that. I'm just saying it's not... It's not difficult when you have an entire year. And so I wanted to just discuss sports video games and kind of this industry of annualized video games because I have so many thoughts on it. So stick around, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to Psychic's Thoughts. So, here's the issue, right, with with uh, these sports games. They're the first and the most pressing issue, the reason why I feel like we've had a precipitous drop-off in quality, is not just because it's EA, and not just because sometimes 2K feels lazy, right? Because they're the main factors of these sports games. When in back in the day, we had we didn't have one company m- monopolize a certain sport of the video games, right? 2K really 
2K has um, NBA. Like, when you say 2K to somebody, they won't think Borderlands at first. They will think of NBA, right? And EA has got Madden. Uh, Madden NFL. They've got that license locked down. It is funny. They don't actually exclusively own NHL license, which means another person could make it. 2K was making NHL games. They just didn't even compare. They couldn't even, like... I mean, they were probably... I actually think some of the 2K NHL games were better from back in the day, but they couldn't keep up with the... They couldn't sell as much as NHL, um, EA NHL. So they gave up. Why make a product you're being beaten by? Why why throw money down the drain in, in their eyes? I don't think that is how that works. I mean, yeah, they lose a little money, but Christ, they own... NBA, so they they're good. They got that on unlock, and it's two K. They can afford it, and I genuinely think if they kept doing these other games like Madden or NHL, if they could do Madden, that would push natural competition. ESPN, uh, um, Midway did NHL games back in the day. That was fucking fun. They weren't simulations, but they were fun. So we're we're in this issue of monopolizing, which happens. <laughs> look at Disney. Look at EA. Look at all these things. Uh, Microsoft even. You know, and and sometimes they're good companies to own certain license you love. I do believe that Star Wars is now more stable, not necessarily better, just more stable under Disney than it would have been under Lucas and 20th Century Fox, considering the tumultuous uh, life cycle that Star Wars was through in the early 2000s under 20th Century Fox and George Lucas. So that doesn't mean Disney's knocking it out of the park left and right. It just means Disney ain't going anywhere. And that, that, that means security for Star Wars, which is something I love and would hope that would be a franchise that could stay safe so but when it comes to video games that doesn't matter as much i mean nhl and nfl dominate american football and american hockey right and so when you have exclusive license to use those teams use those players have have those stats those graphics those announcers you win I mean, if you can pay to have Snoop Dogg in your in your campaign, and if you can, you win, because the games are attracting younger kids as well, not just adults, not just sports enthusiasts, almost more easily than anything else. It's not violent per se. It's not gory. It's none of that. So it's more manageable. And and I think that's. I think that's bad at the end of the day. I mean, at, at times it can be nice. You can have consistency. You don't have to worry about, oh, is this game going to play much different? But you do. You monopolize something like that. You have complete control. You don't listen to your fans. Remember, you don't fuck with sports fans. If I know anything, I know that much. And then you annualize the game. Okay, I get it. Early 2000s, right? I could see that before software updates became a thing. Once we hit Xbox One and PS4, that didn't need to be. You have so many day one patches and DLC and season passes. You could you could make a different formula. Now, of course, when we say microtransactions and DLC and season pass, and we're talking EA, every gamer shudders 
And praise the God, those words are not reiterated to them. And I get that. Because with Star Wars, it's atrocious. When you make a microtransaction loot box, that literally affects the progression and the balance of a game. Cosmetic items, I still don't think you should insert extra money injections into a $60 full-fledged game when you're a billion-dollar company. But cosmetics, I can't get too mad at. It doesn't trick someone into thinking they're playing better. It just tells you, I mean, you know. Hey, you want to look this way? I'm not going to lie. There, there'll be some skins in Rainbow Six that I'm like, hmm, I'm going to need to get that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but that's my choice. I, I love that operator, or I love that player, or I love this game. So I'll shell out 10 bucks because I want to I wanna change up my look and I want to I wanna be a part of the community. I want to invest a little more, right? Other than just purchasing the game from the start. That's fine. That's that's your choice. What's not fine is when you use these microtransactions or these pay-to-win schemes, and they are pay-to-win, not play-to-win. You, you put them in so your players or your characters or your cards or whatever you're working with in the context of that game is better when you have a dollar bill backing it directly. Now, EA has backed off on this on Star Wars and actually the majority of their license, which is a, an amazing thing. But they didn't back up on the one place where it is the most atrocious. And of course they didn't because it's what nets them the most money. Sports games. With the hut, mutt, foot, but, 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 but you know what I mean? Um, Ultimate Team is their online multiplayer fantasy card packing, card stacking, loot em, shoot em, rock em, hoot em. I don't know what I'm saying. But... In those modes, whether you're playing Madden, FIFA, hockey, or whatever else they own now, um, you you open packs, you get cards of some of your favorite players, you get different variations and tiers of your favorite players with overall stats, and they genuinely play better. You get an 89 overall, they're going to play better than an 85 overall. You get a 99 overall, you're going to fucking dominate, Right? And it's because of that that is, and it's just in the online mode and the single player, you're just playing with the stats that those characters have for that year, that season. If you're playing the Stanley Cup winner of that year, they're going to have a little better stats than they did the previous game, the previous year, right? And that's fine. But we have two issues here at play with EA specifically. 2K, I can't speak much of. I haven't played 2K in a while, uh, NBA 2K, but I do know that they are, they've tried shit like this. So sports games as a whole, but EA specifically, you got, you got a few issues, but two primary issues. These online modes that are the most fun, that are the most improved and cared for. They're the most lively part. Yeah, you can play the campaign. Yeah, you can play against the computer, and that's all well and good. But playing against your friends or playing against other people online to prove who's the best on the ice or on the court or on the field... That's where the fun is. That's genuinely really fun. Especially when you get good naturally and you build up your players. And so... And, and it's a fun mode, right? I'm a hockey fan. I loved collecting those hut cards. And that's what I played the majority of the time. I played some single player, sure. And I had fun with that. But I really liked collecting, going to the auction house, selling, buying, finding these, you know, it's like the, watching the stock market for your favorite card, your favorite player, getting that 89, or uh, it was 82, Kovalchuk, which isn't great, but he, you know, he's one of my personal favorites, getting that 89 Ovechkin, holy shit, I lost my mind, and then I think I got a 90 Ovechkin later, 
which is really cool, right? All real fun stuff. Hell, put them in packs if you want. I don't love that, but it's not the end of the world. But here's the issue with that specifically, and this goes for Madden and all these others that use these loot packs where you get cards of your favorite players, sometimes repeating. You can get a Brady 83 and then a Brady 89 in the same pack. Of course, you want the 89, but that's kind of unfair. If you only got the Brady 83, and then there's the difference of the player itself. When you're talking Tom Brady, I bet you a Tom Brady 83 overall is better than any other 83 overall in the game, right? Because that also takes effect. And I think that's cool for the balancing. And I do think that is important when you're making the main side, other than the gameplay itself, making the collecting the cards to make it more valuable, not only when you get a superstar player and their overall... I mean, it, it makes them faster. It makes them hit. It makes them shoot better. I mean, it's a, it's significantly better. And I'm okay with that. That's kind of what you want. You're building a better team. You're starting from nothing. You're building a better team. And you grind to get that 99 Brady or that 99 Ovechkin. And if you have one of those 99 cards, you're going to win more than not. Even if you're mediocre. If you're playing against someone who doesn't have a 99 or who isn't a god at the game, you're going to do better. And, you know, I don't love that usually. I don't love when you just have something, a power-up or something, it makes you inherently better. But in a sports game where you're collecting better players, and that's your goal in that mode, that's fine. The problem is it's behind a paywall. Every one, I mean, I think there's a 1%, maybe 1% to 10% chance you'll get a good, like an 85 to 90 not even that, 85 to 87 overall, from just playing for hours and hours. You'll get a, you'll get a few decent packs that might score you something. If you, if you want to earn something from, and then there's challenges, and I got to give them credit for each year making a little more fair on the challenges. You complete the challenges, you do get packs that would cost 20, 30 bucks, and sometimes you get a choice of a card. That's cool. But those challenges are fucking boring and they're monotonous. They're doing the same tasks. They're stupid. They're a waste. I spent like three hours on them and I got a player I really wanted. So at the end of the day, was it worth it? I don't know. And the reason why we come down to the was it worth it, other than the fact that you really shouldn't make the players pay, right? Before I go off on the if was this worth it in the time frame I was allotted, before we get into that, I'm fine with having these in the hut or, or mutt or the specific ultimate team online component of these EA games. Never mind the fact that in the single player and the other things, they copy and paste some of the same logos so they don't change the graphics of the crowd. They Such a small change in the gameplay and the graphics. It's not substantial enough to purchase each year annually. $60, maybe on sale, even on sale. If, if here's the thing, if you gave NHL 21 and NHL 20, 19 is a little different. Once again, that is a jump from 18. But if you gave NHL, NHL 20 and NHL 21 to somebody who eh, likes hockey, you know, doesn't dislike it, and is an amateur in video games, doesn't play a lot of video games. Let's say they have a console and they play video games a few hours, you know, five to six hours a month. Right? They're busy. They got a life. Whatever. Which I always hate that excuse. Oh, I'm busy. I have a life. I don't have time for video games. Uh, we just prioritize how we choose our free time. But whatever. Um, it's just different. You know, if you want to go shopping or if you want to hang out with friends, it's, you know, 
It's different from somebody who wants to play video games. It's all, it's all perfectly fine. But anyway, so you have so you have someone like that sit down and you have them play NHL twenty for an hour. You know, they might like it. They may have fun. They know the controls. You know, let's get that out of the way. They got they got the control scheme down. They know how hockey works at the base level. And they're having fun. They're kicking around, having a good time. And then you let them go out of the room, take a break, whatever. And then you switch the game to NHL 21. Same team, same rink if you can, right, on a computer. Same computer settings. Try to mimic the same settings. And they sit down, they play it. They won't notice the difference. They they might notice, hey, my fa- my players are a little faster. Ah. It's a little little punchier, a little less on the lags and hiccups. Even then, if they're playing it and they sit down and play it, they wouldn't notice that you switched the game. I guarantee you. At least on NHL 20 and 21. I played NHL 20 quite a bit, you know, 10, 15 hours in that, and then uh, I did the three-hour demo on NHL 21. Is it an improvement? Sure. I can't say it's a not an improvement. It's just not enough of an improvement for $60. And so... Why would you do that to some? Why would somebody keep buying the game? And this is where it's really brutal, because sports fans and video game fans want to keep up with the current tech. If you got the newer game, it means it runs better on the newer systems, or just is a little better, a little more optimized, a little more improved mechanically, right? So there's that factor. And then for sports games specifically, you get a new roster, right? It, if you really want to play simulation, be like, oh, I want to play, I want to have Brady on the Buccaneers, then you're going to want to play, I, I don't know, it'd probably be, would it be Madden NFL 21 now, or would it be 22? I assume, I assume it'd be 22, because I think he made the announcement for the Switch post making the game, after they finished making the game of Madden 21. I don't know, I don't really know, I don't have Madden 21, but, you know what I mean? So if you want to have Brady on the Buccaneers, that makes sense. I don't blame you if you're a football fan or, you know, if you want to try to reenact a Super Bowl coming up. I don't blame you. I would kind of want to try that too, but but I don't want to buy a $60 game just to do that if it doesn't have many other substantial improvements to it, right? Then what? what's the validity in purchasing that? And, and that's where that three, where I was talking about if I spend... You know, I spent three hours on those challenges to get that player on NHL I really liked, right? And yeah, I got that for free. I didn't have to spend $20, which I think is wrong. I think they can balance it. So increase the chances, increase the amount of packs, increase the chances of better players being in packs, reduce the duplication amounts, and increase the odds of just playing it to get it. I I know they're never going to get rid of the payments, so... I'm not even going to try to ask them to do that because that would be stupid on my part. But I would ask them to reduce it. But before any of that, the, these main online modes where you pay money for the most part or pl- or have to spend a lot of hours just to get those players you want. Unless that's the only game you play, it's a waste. And the reason it's a waste is because this is an annualized system. And I'll get to that after this break. Welcome back to Psychic's Thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad you can join me today in this, you know, brief for me podcast where I just wanted to get off, you know, off my chest the thoughts on sports video games and the problems with them and how we can improve them. So microtransactions, like I said earlier, I think you can improve that mechanic. 
you know, you're not going to get rid of full payments. I, I get that. You're not, you can't completely get rid of the payments in these online modes, which I think are the most fun. But I do think you can make it a little more fair. If not, significant, 25% more fair would make people want to keep playing. That's it. I mean, give these premium packs, increase the chances of having an 85 to 89-year uh, uh, overall player by... I think there's a 1% chance or... No, a 5 like in the average premium pack, it is like a 5 or 10% chance. Make that a 25% chance. Make that one-fourth of a chance to get a dec- an 85 to 89 player. Not a special like player of team of the week or player of the year or, you know, legendary 81, 89. I mean a standard gold 80 to 89, right? On those super premium packs, the ones that cost $10 a pop, you know, just increase the chances of good players, even at the basic pack. Basic pack, you, I do, there's, no, you can't even get anything above eighty three. Which, which, if you spend more than five hours building your hut team and consistently playing, eighty threes become irrelevant pretty quickly. So make it, make it so in the base pack you can get eighty five to eighty seven. Increase the percentages. I don't know the specifics, but I know it's fucking ridiculous when you look at them. And it, from NHL to Madden, doesn't matter. They're all the percentages of getting decent cards in higher quality packs is not great. Even when you buy a twenty dollar pack, which is one, wait, what twenty? Well, now it's seventy dollars, which makes my math a little trickier. But it's it's almost one third the price of the full game. If you're paying one-third of the price of the entire game, you better damn well get something above a 95. If you're guaranteed... Because they say there's a... At that point, there's like a, a 60% chance that you get, uh, I believe, an, an 89 to 95. There should be a 100% chance you get a 90 to 93 at bare minimum, if not a 95 player. If you're paying one-third of the entire price, you better get a goddamn good player and one other decent player, 89 to 90 range. Not maybe get an, maybe get an 89 to 93. Maybe. 60% chance. Okay, yeah, 10% more than half of the time. Most people aren't going to re-roll $20. You only get three chances till you match the exact... Now, keep in mind, I'm going off memory. This may not be the exact numbers. They change them every year, right? They tweak them a little bit. They do try to make them a little more fair. But, like, by 1%, it's ridiculous. It's just... It's egregious. It really is. And kids just want to keep rolling it. It's an addictive gamble sort of quality. It's like slots. I, I fall victim to it. Not really. I mean, I... I cut myself off after after making half the... Okay, I got NHL 19 for free on gold. So I figured, you know, I knew microtransactions were a thing. I knew I wanted to only play HUT, you know? And so I was like, you know what? I'm definitely not exceeding $60 in microtransactions. I don't want to match the price. I said, I'm going to aim for $30 and less. I knew I, I know I'm not strong enough to not try it, especially my first time being back on NHL in eight years. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to save up because there's special pack events where you can get better percentages packs for cheaper. You know, there's there's better times where you can try for it, not just your standard buy at any moment. And so, you know, that, that's why I decided. I think at the end of the day, I spent $25 in total in microtransactions on that. And then on NHL 20, about 20, about $30 there. I think I spent about five bucks more. <sighs> 
And uh, still not proud of it. But I did get NHL 19 for free and I got NHL 20 for 30 bucks. So at the end of the day, about 45 bucks between two $60 games. I'm still saving money when you compare the price. When you compare the average sports fan who would buy the games at full price and then pay maybe $30, right? I'm saving a crap ton of money compared to them. But that's only because I'm not the biggest sports enthusiast. And that sucks. And I feel it. I, I'm, I'm lucky I'm not because I could pro- fall victim to that a lot easier. And I think that's really unfair, especially to kids. Um, so they need to fix that. Make it so you can't pay more than $20. A pack shouldn't be $20. At, at max, a pack should be maybe $10. And make sure at maybe at that price, somebody definitely gets at least one guaranteed 90 overall player, if not, and then and then a chance of... And then a 50% chance at a 99 player. And if I pitch that to EA, they'd be like, you're fucking crazy, $10? Yeah, everybody would buy that at least once. So when you have, I don't know how many people buy these games, but let's say you have 10 million people who bought your game. I guarantee you all of them would at least try it once. And then one weekend, like during Super Bowl, if you're doing Madden, have a Super Bowl champions pack where it's only level play overall players 90 to 99 and say it's usually $20 cuz it's a special I guess and then cut it in half cuz it's Super Bowl weekend. You know how many people would do that? You know how much money you would make back? You wouldn't even they would probably justify you not needing to put tr- microtransactions for the rest of the game. I don't know how it works exactly, but I just know it's ridiculous. And it's unfair. So when we get past that, if we could make those just balances. So People who want to just play and spend time don't have to spend three hours in challenges and all these things and don't have to spend a lot of money. And if they choose to spend all, uh, money, it's $10 and they're at least getting something good from it. Which, of course, is still fucking schemy because then they know if they spend 10 more dollars, oh, what's 10 more dollars? And then six times and you've seven times now you've matched the game price. So that's that might actually be worse, honestly. I, I don't know. I don't know how these work. I just know they're all bad. But I know they're not going to get rid of payments, so lower the payment, increase the percentage of good things coming out of these packs, and increase, massively increase the percentage of you just earning the packs from playing the goddamn game. If you can get a premium pack for every 10 matches you've played on HUT, a premium pack that could secure you an 85 to 89 player with a 70% chance of getting an 85 to or 86 to 89 player, that would be amazing. And every 25 games, you get a real premium pack, the one that could score you a 90 overall. Because you're at that point, once you play 25 games, that's that's I think that's like six to seven hours. It's almost a day's worth of playing. And the issue with all that, this wouldn't be nearly as bad, I don't think, if, you know, it might actually be worth paying a little bit of microtransactions if you wanted to, or at least having a more fair and balanced microtransaction for HUD. Or or Mutt or whatever you, uh, ultimate team in whichever game you're playing. If they made it so the games don't come out every year because it cleans the slate. Or at least carry over progression or something. Jesus fucking Christ. If you spend $30 and 20 hours in your favorite sports game building the perfect team from day one. Once you get the game, if you're a fan, you're going to buy it day one. I don't blame you. Right? Or first week maybe. And you do that, and then then what? You get eight months 
of where the online services are, where there's new packs and new challenges and, and people playing. And then those final couple months, people start to dissipate and not care and play the, the big fall hits that are not sports-related and wait until the new sports game comes out. That's brutal. That's almost $100. If you pay... Okay, if you get the game at full price, and let's say you pay 20 to $30, give or take, maybe more, on microtransactions for playing your favorite sports game mode for the Ultimate Team, you're almost spending, if not spending, $100 in less than a year on one fucking game that isn't hasn't even improved annually in terms of genuine additions and, and features that's that's maniacal and it's unfair and it's I'm not blaming any of the gamers I, I can't blame you if you if you buy the game and you love the game right great uh, even if you like it and, you, and you're okay with just a few improvements and if you want to play mutt or hut or whatever and you spend thirty dollars I don't blame you they're fun games they are <laughs> that's why people keep buying them but they're the EA and these other businesses that say, you know, let's really monopolize. Let's suck all the money out of this. And then let's not put too much back in. They don't reinvest in the... They do the bare minimum so they could just scooch by every year. And I was really hoping NHL, the, the 20, 2020, that of course not, right? 2020 in hindsight is shit. But 2020, I was hoping may, might be a turning stone. And my idea would be, Fuck 21, 22, 23, all that shit. Screw all that for your sports games. At this point on, fuck Madden 22, fuck NHL 22. Let's make it NHL. Let's make it Madden. If you want to put EA in front of it, fine, whatever. Um, make it that. Get ray tracing. Add all the features, every goddamn feature you can think of that you can fit. Optimize it. Make sure there's no bugs. Don't copy and paste. Make sure the game blow everybody's mind away next year. How cool would that be? And then do this plan after this break. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My big plan, if I were in charge of EA's or or even you know 2K's sports things, I wouldn't exclusively own the license. I'd let other game developers try because that pushes for competition and diversity, right? But on top of that, I would reduce microtransactions, if not eliminate them, especially on, you know, they're not in single-player modes, which is fine. And at least make them, if I, do, if I can't cut them out completely, I reduce the costs of them and I make them worth it. I make the percentages of getting good stuff worth the, the money, the extra money you spend after buying a full price game, you know. But here's what I think is feasible. Maybe not the best idea, but I think it's feasible. And I think it would help. Drop the annual cycle and drop the card to card purchases. You drop those two things and you have a different game. So what would you do? Okay, so let's say, let's say. I became the head of EA and I was able to make an executive decision in the sports video game department. Here's what I would do. I would say, let's cut any idea of NHL 22, FIFA 22, Madden 22, and whatever else sports, annualized sports games they got going. Cut all that. 
Just make NHL, EA NHL. Just make Madden. Just make, just make them. By that I mean just put the title, no numbers. And then, if you really need money, make it so every year there's a ten or twenty dollar DLC, DLC quotation marks, or season pass if you want an update. So you could still make money, but you're not you're not paying full price for a video game. So the so the company and publishers can still fund these upgrades, I guess, because they're going to want to keep updating the and and what that would afford them to do is improve the graphics, improve the gameplay, do the bugs, the 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 you know mechanicals, the stuff we get every year. Update the roster. Right, I mean that makes sense, and. Uh, And then that way you're not paying $60 or $70 for a brand new game. You're expanding the game. Of course, hopefully it doesn't take up too much storage. And so you're just updating your roster. You're getting better graphics. You're getting the gameplay and the bug fixes. And you still get gameplay tweaks and bug fixes throughout so the game runs, right? Of course, that that would be just a free service. And, and, and then for the multiplayer aspect, right... That's a little trickier, right? Because it's designed to refresh. Because by the time a year and a half in, everybody would have 99 overalls. It'd all be overpowered, right? So what you do is, once again, I still would want microtransactions to be reduced. So anybody has a chance after playing a few hours to get something good and to really build their team. So after every year, after every $20 or season pass DLC, I'm thinking $20 would be fair if you're going to pay something for a big upgrade. Without buying a completely new game and installing a new game, you just pay for the DLC, the upgrade. And you don't have to if you don't want it, so you have the choice. Should it be free? Yeah, but it's not going to be. I mean, it's better than paying for a new game. And you do have to... I mean, if you're still going to annualize these kinds of upgrades, you still have to pay something for it so they can... So EA could afford it, I guess. I know they can afford a lot, but that's still... They'd be net negative, I, I assume. So you do that. You get the upgrades and all that. And... And you reduce the pay-to-play specifically in the online stuff as much as you can. I don't think you can get rid of it completely because we are still talking about EA and all these. And just big businesses in general would try to milk every penny they can. But you'd reduce it. You make it more fair across the board. And then, so what's the issue then? Because of this potential of everybody having enough time now where it doesn't reset everything. So you got a few options here. You either change the mechanics of HUD. So, there are different ninety nine variations. There's specials, and there and there and there or ninety nines are just genuinely harder to get, and you can't even pay for those. That would kind of be cool. You could pay for everything up to ninety seven, but ninety seven and ninety nine you can't pay for. You have to earn through challenges and achievements, and maybe leaderboards and specialized packs and tournaments. That'd be kind of cool to prolong that grind, not make it unfair, but everybody could then be playing with ninety. 90s to 97s and you know in that way I don't know right you work for that 99 so it prolongs that but you can't do that forever the game is designed around a time limit of refreshing the clock so what you could do 
is if you have that $20, you keep everything the same. Like I said, you make the microtransactions, all that more fair. But you keep everything else the same. And so every $20, every year you update the roster. And when that happens, you, you got a couple options. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to make this come out clean. You You could clean slate. Everybody starts back at seven, overall 75 and they have to rebuild. But since the microtransactions aren't as egregious, it's not as bad. The currency that they earn from selling and buying these players and, and, and extra challenges where you get the coins in the shop and all that, that stays with you. So you still have buying power and your points stay with you, the, the premium currency. So you still have buying power in the new auction house if you want to buy new characters. And then make sets and, and then have a like a legacy wall of your of all your previous teams from previous years. So from 2022, oh, I had this lineup and this was my HUD overall and this is kind of cool. And maybe I want to find these players again and see how they've changed. So you could still, because it's also for people who like to collect, to collect cards and collect players. You know, some people just get fun from that, not even necessarily just playing the game. And so they... So it's not erased, where you don't have to open up an old game just to look at them. It's preserved in your in your and and maybe it's on a leaderboard or a stat wall. Oh, this was is their overall. You could track your progression, and, and maybe, or even on and then there's a separate legacy legacy if you will auction house not not for the current season where you're buying players to build up your current team, but you you buy players that are that can't be played that are from previous years before the update old rosters and whatnot and, and you pay and you can sell them for more coins so you can buy new players so if you got 299 whatever and you got them by chance by a pack if you didn't sell them already and you're still holding on you can sell one for a little better price and buy a new player for the new roster you know what i mean so you got a legacy team you got your stats cemented you know and then maybe on single player you could play with your old teams yeah, you can't play online with them. I do think that would break the game, the balance of the game, because then everybody would really just keep with their ninety nines. But, um, but yeah, so like on single player or challenges, if you want to play with your teams back from twenty one or twenty twenty, and you reach ninety nine, ninety eight overall, and you're not quite there on your current team, and you just want to punch through those challenges, you can play with your old legacy on the single player stuff, uh, in hut and in in uh mutt and all these other things. That would be cool. I would pay. I'd pay $60, $70 up front for just that game, for that NHL, and then pay $20 a year. You know? Still don't want to pay that much, but I will. I'll pay $20 a year to get that upgrade, get that improvement, and to keep my progress on HUD. And that way, even when you spend microtransactions, even if they're more balanced, so you're not spending $30 just to get some decent players... It's like once you spend $30, you get a lot of good players, or it's it's worth the money and it's worth the time, but you also... The time you play, you get the players you want. You build the team. And then it cements that roster in stone by the time the update comes through. And you can play with your old team back in single player. And you can sell duplicates and those cards from those old teams to advance your new team if you want. And it keeps your currency and it keeps your progression and your stats of how good you've played over the years. That would be a phenomenal way to do it. And if you only need to do that for five years... Great. 
Because what that does is $20 keeps these franchises paid for, I assume, plus some of the microtransactions, of course. It allows them to do the bare minimum work without being, without wasting people's time and money, without resetting everything again over and over brutally. Because it makes people not want to play the online modes if you can only play for eight months before all your time, money, and progress is lost. And you have to start from scratch. Some people like that grind. I get it. It's a fun grind. But not losing the money's worth. Not losing the microtransactions. That's so schemy. It's so shitty, really. So if you balance those things out, then I think you can have a game that lasts a lot longer. I'd say five years. So from 2020... Uh, I think they've, yeah, 2022 to 2027, which kind of feels weird to, you know, but whatever. You get those $20 roster updates and you build your legacy. And then by that point, in five years, maybe three years or four years, I don't know the exact time, but let's say in five years, by that point, they'll have enough, there'll be enough of a technical progression. They'll know enough about the game to make a substantial improvement for you to buy a new game. A 60 or $70 full price game. In a four-year cycle, the graphic improvement, the gameplay improvements will be massive. And they should still let you carry over your online progression. You still shouldn't lose that or if they really want to do a full hard reset but i like the idea of keeping your legacy stuff so say they keep that model and in 10 years if you're still playing these games you can look back and say oh when this started this was my hut lineup team and this is what it's now you know that would create a, a, a more unified system and and that would be amazing if they did it like that Every year, $20 update, saved your hut progression with a legacy wall where you could go back and do single-player challenges, more balanced, way more fair microtransactions, you know, and your gradual annual improvements from bug fixes, graphic performance, gameplay tweaks, all that. $20 a year for all the new content, all the new updates, everything, instead of $60 for a brand new game or $70 now for a brand new game, all that. And then after five years of that, then there's enough time for the developers to build a substantially better game because i guarantee you it doesn't take them a year to just make some of these improvements and i guarantee you they could streamline it i think that's what they should do or they don't ever have to make a new they can just have in five years a massive update where it costs forty dollars to do instead of twenty and it's a it's a big it's like getting a new game i don't know i just know that sixty dollars a year with these abhorrent microtransactions is unfair to the sports gamer and the general gamer and consumer. And it needs to be changed. And I think with these times, with people cracking down on EA and microtransactions as a whole, with battle passes and season passes, while not ideal, are mostly cosmetic and reducing pay to play, uh, pay to win, I think we're going to start seeing that balance. It just hasn't hit the sports video game market yet, and it needs to desperately, because that's where it's going on the worst. Star Wars had it bad, but Star Wars people overreacted, and unfortunately, sports gamers are so much more diverse that they're not always people who are constantly gaming. They always don't have time, and they don't really care, or they don't have time to care. And those who do, you know, it's too late. It's too hard. So I'm one of those people. I don't play them every year. You know, I get them every couple of years. I, I want to. I want to play the newest NHL. I love the NHL games. I have a blast. And the justification for me is I usually get them on sale, for one. 
And it's worth the time because I have fun playing it and I have fun building the hut. So at the end of the day, if I'm willing to throw down 60 to 90 bucks for a year to have a lot of fun and spend 30 to 40 hours in a game, okay, not the worst thing, I guess, but when I could be paying $60 for one game, $20 a year, and very, very little, if not nothing, on microtransactions, I would much rather do that for five years instead of 60 to 90 for one. And those are the improvements from a structural, uh, a foundation standpoint that EA and other sports games can make. Hell, Call of Duty is annualized, but it's split between three studios. Not always a great thing, and it's kind of annoying, but... You know, I, I just, I really think if we reduce these annualized games, you get more time to make substantial improvements, and, and EA can afford to not have to make people spend $60. Will they change that? No, not willingly. It would take a scandal. It would take something, you know, it would take like a, a Star Wars Battlefront Two situation. It would take the government coming in saying, you are... Using children. You are monopolizing on children. They're they're gambling for loot packs. Random you pay ten dollars to open up a pack that gets you something you want. Which releases dopamine receptors and makes you feel good once you get it. Makes you feel bad if you don't, and either outcome makes you want to do it again. That's gambling. That's illegal. <laughs> you can't have children gamble. It's literally that. It's just package as Tom Brady or Alexander Ovechkin. And and unfortunately, people who don't play the game are like, well, it's just a computer game. Just put it down. Damn, who cares? It's not real money. It's not you're not you're not spending the day with Brady. No, but when you're a kid, how do you know? That's so unfair. And with auto payments and and credit cards and debit cards attached to your console now, so you don't even have to ask your parents if it's there. Jesus Christ, it's really difficult to control people, to control yourself, to 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 manage it, and that's unfair. And it's gross. And a lot of people know this. You might know this. You might just think, oh God, and some nerds complaining about EA again. And I am. But remember, what I'm saying is not completely radical. It's not like saying abolish all microtransactions and let's never have an annualized game again. No. Make the microtransactions more fair because I know EA isn't going to get rid of them. Make it so when you annualize something, it's just a giant update of roster. Some gameplay tweaks performances bug fixes graphic graphical improvements so that way in five years you have a substantial change in features and substantial change in graphics right or seven years when the new console comes around whatever it may be half baking a game cut copy and pasting not changing enough and then getting greedier and making people pay and play to play for more is atrocious they're trying to cut back on features so you're focused on the ultimate team, which is the most feature-packed and most vibrant part of the, all these games. And they're, of course, the only way they can make more money from you. And it's unfortunate because they're not going to change their way. They don't give a shit. They're not going to listen to this and say, you know what, maybe we are in the wrong for making children gamble without them knowing. Maybe that is illegal and, and, a, and a fucked-up thing to do morally. They're not going to do that. No, they're going to think, oh my god, our stocks are plummeting. No one's buying our games. We need to do something different. So, I'm not saying boycott, because that's not going to work. Plenty of people want to still play the games. I don't blame you. So let's make it so 
we can change the landscape and the finances of video games so we can reduce this make some oversight because film can't do that books can't do that i mean most entertainment media forms can't charge you the way video games can and get away with it over and over and when you have kids involved it's fucked up and they're making fixes there's gradual improvement Microtransactions are a thing of the past other than in the sports industry, and it needs to change. It needs to become a thing of the past across the board. And I don't see how a season pass could kill them. I really don't. But we'll see. I've been pitching this idea for a few years now, three or four now, thinking this could be the best way they could do things. I don't think it'll happen. Because we keep buying them anyway, and I don't, but plenty of people do. Also, as a side note, EA Play is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I've got Game Pass Ultimate, so I get EA Play slapped in with no additional cost. So I'm a happy camper. But, um, you know, I've been playing Dead Space, and I've uh, I tried some Battlefield Five. I never got that, so that was kind of cool. It's cool to download some of EA's best games. they got a lot of good ones. A lot of bad ones, but a lot of good ones. A lot of fuck-ups. But, but for the most part, they're good. They make quality games. I'll give them that. But um, what is interesting for their annual sports games, they don't give you the newest one. They give you last year's one. Like, I I could play NHL 20. I could play Madden 20. And that's great for people who haven't played in a while or who don't play annually and don't care. That's fine. That's actually a decent deal considering the price of admission for all those games. But... I think if you're paying for EA Play or you're on their subscription service, I think you should get the new sports games as soon as they come out. Maybe a month, okay? You could delay it a month. But if you want people to subscribe to your thing, don't, for the only thing that is as annualized as that, don't give them the year-old version of the game. And they're going to be like, well, it's better than nothing. Like, then fuck you. We're not, people, a bunch of people wouldn't play your subscription service. They might get it just for the sports games. I mean, I think it's great that I have access to FIFA, Madden, and NHL. Because if I had to choose, I'd only choose NHL. And I'd only choose one NHL game a year. And not even that. One every couple years. So I'm doing okay that I've got access to these games. But I would like to have NHL 21. Not NHL 20. Because I already bought NHL 20. When it came out. Well, actually, in the summer, a few months after it came out when it was on sale. So anyway, that's another just caveat, I think, to their subscription service that that could be very easily fixed. Because by the time NHL 21 comes out on EA Play, the only mode I like to play and the only mode that's genuinely supported throughout and that most people now like to play, the online mode, will be dead on arrival because the new game will be out with their online activation. And that's the problem. You get eight to nine months of playing the most popular, most updated, most featured mode, and then it dies as months before the new one's even out. Like a month to two months before. And your progression doesn't carry over. Anyway, this is longer than it should have been. But thank you all for listening. I appreciate all love and support once again. Brain Tapes Volume 2 is on the way. More news coming February 5th. I will keep playing video games. I will make a podcast on the Oculus Quest 2 because I'm having a blast with that. But this was what was on my mind today. So thank you, everyone, once again. I appreciate it all, and I will see you next time.